0: You are listening to Absent minded brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent minded My name is Jared Book, and joining me today from Silver 7 Cents, our former sister site at SB Nation is Beata Elliott, a writer there. Beata, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to limit the the trash talk. Um, I know that Canadians fans and Senators fans don't always get along. Um, and uh, I can't even trash talk the PWHL team in Ottawa because they have some of my favorite people in the world. So um, we'll we'll keep it civil. Uh, uh, well, one.
1: I didn't agree to that. Personally, I will be trash talking.
0: <laughs> it, it's all right. Um, uh, you know, some of it's probably deserved, uh, if we're being honest here. Um, let, let's get started with, I think, the, the big question. And, and there's a lot of teams in this division that kind of have this kind of expectation of taking a step up. Um, and, and Ottawa is right in the middle of that group. Last year, I think there were expectations they would take a step up, and and in some cases they did, but maybe not as big as they were expecting to. What are the expectations for Senators fans, uh, especially going into this season?
1: I think Sens fans really feel now like the Sens need to make the playoffs now, but I don't know if that's so much... Looking at the roster and saying that they should, I think a lot of us understand that it's going to be very difficult for the Sens to make the playoffs just because the Atlantic is so difficult. But um, I, I think there is now a lot of frustration within Sens fandom at how close the Sens have, well, how good the Sens have looked at times over the last few years and how long we've waited for them to get back into the playoffs. And it really feels like it needs to happen this year.
0: And would it be fair to say that the frustration is more centered at specifically the the GM, Pierre Dorian, the head coach, DJ Smith, and, and not so much the core itself, right? Is that is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think especially DJ Smith, um, a lot of fans have uh, not been happy with him for a while now. Personally, I um, tend to be a little bit more positive about DJ Smith than other fans, but uh, one of the big problems with the Sens over the last few years is that it feels like every single year they just completely tank their chances of getting anywhere near the playoffs in like November, right? Like they just get off to these awful starts and then end up kind of picking themselves up and and playing well down the stretch. And I think when that happened again last year, everyone in the Sens fandom sort of said, this is it, we're not doing this again. We're not taking, you know, positives from how they played in January and February anymore. Like they need to play well in November this year.
0: And obviously the the big story of the the summer uh, was the ownership getting settled. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's been kind of a long time coming. Um, You know, there've been rumors about it for pretty much, I think almost all of last season as well um, Mm -hmm. until it finally got settled before this season. And and has that, is that kind of, uh energize the fan base a little bit is there kind of like a a fatigue around that like what what's how is that factoring into it as well and obviously it's when you look at the the patience that they'll have with the gm and and the coach kind of specifically it, it kind of all plays into that right a little bit
1: Yeah, I think right now SENS fans are more just excited to not have to care about ownership anymore. (laughs) I mean, um, you know, I I won't speak ill of the dead right now, but we had many years of um, caring about ownership a lot and having to think about it constantly. And I think the excitement kind of happened around last year when the Melnick sisters took over and there was all this talk about Ryan Reynolds and Snoop Dogg and all of these cool celebrities thinking about buying the SENS. and. Because Michael Landlauer won the bid and he's just like some random billionaire, um, I, I think the attitude is more like, "Okay, now that's done. We don't have to think about this anymore. <laughs> let's just talk about hockey."
0: Yeah, you know, you go from Ryan Reynolds and Snoop Dogg to just a Habs fan.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, basically.
0: <laughs> um, so l- let's move on to 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 the players and and you know, obviously, there's a a, a young core that's pretty much in place uh for for the senators right now and and most of them are locked in to to their kind of long-term you know uh prime year contracts uh, specifically uh tim sitzel brady kachuk uh thomas shabbat as well um what are, what are kind of the is you mentioned that the 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 belief is or the goal is to make the playoffs this year where does that have to come from? I mean, obviously, you saw steps forward last year from a lot of that young core. It is kind of the expectation that they're going to take another step. Uh, where where are those extra points going to come from this season?
1: I think what's important right now is the depth. And I think that is where the Suns have improved over the last year. Um, obviously, I I think that Tim Strista has another gear in him. He got 90 points last year, and he looked like he could get more. Um, same with, you know, Brady Kachuk. I think that those players um can are like are capable of getting more points. But I think what's really important is that in preseason we've seen, you know, massive improvement, or maybe not improvement, but we've seen really nice things from Ridley Gregg, massive improvement from Roby Arbenti. Um, you know, who knows what's happening with Josh Norris? But hopefully if he comes back into the lineup, that kind of pushes everyone further down the lineup. And we've seen a lot of young players uh, who have spent a few seasons in Belleville come to Ottawa and really impress people in training camp. So I think the hope is that instead of having one really good line and a bunch of bad lines, they're gonna have like at least a solid top nine this year.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of the 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 new reality of of the mm-hmm. NHL is that yeah. you kind of have to have a, a top nine to to really compete. And that's you know, maybe even in some cases more important having kind of that top line that's that's very good. um obviously, you know the defense over the last couple of years has been kind of the question mark right the, the young offense, the young forwards, um you know surrounding them with you know uh last year, you know Alex Brinkett this year of uh, Vlad Teresenko, and, and then you know Claude Giroux as well. and the defense you know got a big bolts boost last year uh and Jacob. Uh, Chikrin, how, how much does that change kind of the the outlook of their team? And obviously, you know, he played the end of last year, um, and and so there's not kind of a new uh, feeling you know when entering this preseason or, or training camp. But but what do you what what is that? And you know, and obviously you have Unis Corpusalo as well. So there's an upgrade in goal as well, kind of a more solid one A there. So you know, is, is that kind of a a big difference from when you look at the centers from the beginning of last year to, to, to this year,
1: yeah, I think that's really the biggest difference. Um, especially goaltending, the Sens have struggled a lot with goaltending recently. And I'm not going to say that all of their struggles have been because of goaltending, but there were some games where, like, if they had just they, like they couldn't buy a save, right? And if they had had better goaltending, they might have gotten a few more points, right? Um, and so far, like, you know, the the Corpusalo contract definitely raises eyebrows, but he has been f- fantastic in preseason so and anton forsberg has been great for as long as he's been with the sens um so i think a lot of the optimism comes from the goaltending being improved and yeah the defense i think is the best the sens have had in recent memory um even during the carlson era they they did not have good defense um so and yeah, like, as you said, you know, Chikrin joins the team last year, but he was injured for a decent part of that. And also like the pairings were so messed up that they didn't, we didn't really get a good sense of what the Sens defense would look like with him, but now uh, he's been playing consistently with Thomas Shabbat. They've got a really solid second pairing with Sanderson and Zub. Brandstrom has been, well, last year he was crushing those bottom uh, pairing minutes and uh um, so it really looks like the Sens have like three solid pairings for the first time literally since I can remember
0: And you know kind of going into that I mean what, what it really does seem like that this is the the best that they have been in in a long time, just uh you know kind of solidifying the the depth here. And what do you think is like if they make it close, if they're playing meaningful games in April, is that enough? Um, do you think to 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 save the jobs of of, of the coach and GM? Uh, or I mean, I guess the better question would be: Would would fans <laughs> be yelling for their jobs? I think, regardless of of what, how close they get to the playoffs, or how how patient are fans? Like, are they running out of patience in terms of this this management group? I would say.
1: I yeah I think fans are running out of patience to some extent I think that yeah if they end up like one point out and you know it's because I don't know Buffalo suddenly like takes this massive leap forward and uh you know there's no way that they could have caught them or something like that like I I think people would understand that that's still a step forward but you know like I said earlier I I do think that People are pretty fed up i mean i mentioned buffalo they must be even more fed up than Suns fans are but it, uh, it certainly feels like there will be people calling for for uh dj smith's head at least um possibly as well
0: yeah it, it kind of feels like every time something happens people are like oh <laughs> like like i think even since the ownership group um, what was finalized? It was kind of like, okay, what's going to happen with, with Pierre Doriel And yeah, and it, it's kind of it's kind of funny because he he has been there um quite a while, and and it's it it, it it's it Ottawa's kind of um you know a few years ahead of where Montreal is, right? So mm-hmm. you kind of see it from from that perspective, and you can kind of throw Buffalo into that as well, where you know the the you can see the progress but it's just really tough to compete with the tampas and torontos and Mm -hmm. uh and 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 florida you know everyone thought florida was going to take a step back and they just make it to the stanley cup final (laughs) and then and then you know boston boston is 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 one of those teams where i i'm not sure um it it can be hit and miss because they can I, i don't think they'll be as good as they were last year um but nobody them to be as good as they were last year last year, so who knows what what's gonna happen but yeah, it's it's the the Ottawa team is you know i I'm, I might anger some of the um Canadians fans listening mm-hmm. to this, but they they are building it the the right way, and it, it just feels like will they get to that point where they're they're competing because you know they have their stars on those big contracts and once they start those those big contracts it gets harder to to surround them um mm-hmm. than, than it would be you can look at you know a lot of other teams that have had that that issue as well um and yeah the i can definitely see why the the clock is ticking on on especially the coach but even even the gm as well you mentioned the josh norris thing as well and and obviously he's a big part of this you know when you we lose a a top six center who's under 25 years old uh, it obviously impacts how you look at the, mm-hmm. the, the lineup in the team. But when you look at the, you know, you, the players surrounding them is, is the biggest question not even because they had such good seasons last year is the biggest question, how they're surrounded, like how Tarasenko fits in um, you know, Matthew Joseph has been the subject of trade rumors because of the salary cap Um with the waiver news, I'm not sure if he is the guy that needs to necessarily move out for for a guy like Shane Pinto. But um, w- what is the su- supporting cast and who, if the Senators make the playoffs this year, where where like who is the person that's going to be that the the maybe underrated player that's going to make an impact in that? We've already talked about the the Corpusalos, the Chikarins. um who, Who's the guy that if they make the playoffs is is one guy that maybe fans outside the market don't necessarily appreciate.
1: That is a good question. Yeah. And I think a lot depends on when the Shane Pinto contract gets (laughs) uh, done and what needs to happen for that, because the Sens literally do not have the cap space to sign him right now. And they don't have any really obviously bad contracts that they need to get rid of. Like people talk about, you know, dumping Matthew Joseph, but like he's still a good player. He's not like horrendously overpaid. Um, So, you know, who knows what kind of changes will need to happen to bring in Shane Pinto. And I think that if, and when he joins the lineup, I'm assuming he's going to be in the lineup by the time the Sens make the playoffs, (laughs) if that happens, but I think he will make be a big difference maker um, because I mean, again, hopefully Josh Norris is healthy in playing uh, the two C role And Shane Pinto can slot into that uh, third line center role where he has historically performed a lot better. Um, But I also think that people should uh, pay attention to Ridley Gregg, um, partly because he's been very good and partly because uh, he is just an absolute, absolute menace on the ice. uh, So teams will not like to play against him, Um, but he... Did really, really well with the Sens last year and um, should be able to slot into like a third line role really, really well or potentially even play up on the second line. Um, He's a a very tenacious player and um, uh, has a good scoring touch and I'm a big fan of him.
0: Yeah, you know, you you don't have to, you know, Matt, it's funny mentioning Matthew Joseph because I feel like just for the games against the Canadians alone, oh, yeah. he's worth keeping around. Um, it seems like he scores, and this is neat, this goes even before his his days in Ottawa. He just always seems to play his best in in Montreal, and obviously he had um, I I believe it was him who had a really good World Juniors um in in Montreal. Just something
1: um, about the Francophone players. Because it used <laughs> to be jean gabriel Peugeot all the time, right? Right,
0: right. Ex- exactly. Like it, it, there's always like these. Um Ottawa seems to, to Ottawa and Tampa seem to really collect these um the, the French Canadian players that just aren't really heralded, but Montreal Canadians fans think they're the best in the world because they always score at the Bell Center. Um and and <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, Ottawa seems to have them more often than not. Um which just stokes the rivalry, I guess, a little bit even further. I, I do want to, um, meant uh, like because uh, looking at their their salary cap, it it just seems like they you mentioned it before with, with you know they can't even fit Shane Pinto in. Is is there a concern around that? Like like you know, obviously the expectations the cap's going to go up, and you know it's not necessarily a bad thing to have all these young young superstars uh locked up but but is there a concern that um about how what you know getting everybody to fit under the cap going forward or is it just kind of like you know wait for this year wait for the cap to go up and and things will sort themselves out
1: um a bit of both like i think there is some concern but it's mostly about past decisions um because <laughs> if you look at the SENS like cap situation right now their big problem is that they have all this dead money on the books from you know the bobby ryan buyout, from retaining salary on matt murray colin white buyout, like all of these bad decisions in the past that like are still haunting them in a way right i think bobby ryan might be off the books now but like you know um a a lot of buyouts and and retain salary and stuff that you know it's really frustrating but also there's nothing we can do about it right now right um but the thing is that the sends you know thankfully don't have any like really egregious contracts they have a few guys who are maybe a little bit overpaid and a few guys who are a little bit underpaid and you know some of them are probably gonna look even more overpaid once the i mean underpaid once this cap goes up and everything and and they improve a little bit so i don't think that people are overly concerned but we do need the salary cap to go up especially since they've already extended jake sanderson starting next year so that's already a bunch of extra money that's uh uh that's on the books
0: yeah you mentioned the the dead cap and and just looking at i can't friendly it's it's about uh, about like five like almost almost five million dollars yeah and um, it's like d- you know that's Justin.
1: that's the Shane pinto contract right like you know that <laughs> there you go that's your problem
0: yeah exactly and it does go down to. You know, six hundred twenty-five thousand starting next year. So a lot of that dead cap is is going away. So um, that that will factor in for a lot of the Sanderson contract as well. Um, with that, but yeah, it's it's definitely the, it doesn't help the situation, especially when you look at a guy like Pinto who is just sitting there um, unsigned because of cap space. Um, so what what is you know I, I don't want to like overlook. The, the the stutzels and the kachuks um I, I know that we we talked about them a little bit but uh, i do think they deserve a little bit more um <laughs> attention like is is this kind of like the, the best group of forwards the centers have had since like the days of like the, the spetzas and, and really competing like the alfredsons like how how exciting is it for the centers to have that kind of group locked in um and and it, 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 are they are they really the the you know you look at Kachuk he's twenty four, Sitzel's twenty one, Norris is twenty four, like there's still a lot of years in there. Like are there is pressure made to make the playoffs this year, obviously, but how exciting is it to to know that this is kind of just the beginning of of that kind of wave
1: it's very exciting and yeah it's definitely the best forward group that they've had since probably the days of the pizza line like it was wild actually uh when Josh Norris scored like 35 goals a few years ago um it was literally the first Sens player to hit 30 goals since like Jason Spezza in 2012 or something right like they have not been very strong at forward for a long time um and you know they've like they've had a few good names they had mark stone for a few years and all of that but um yeah the forward group has never hasn't at least in recent years been um their strength so it's really nice to see some like legit superstars uh at forward right now
0: and and they it helps that they kind of you know co like they're, they're all kind of in it together. Like it's mm-hmm. weird. usually when you see a young core like that, it's it's something that happens because you know they win in the AHL level, but so many of these players have never seen the AHL, and and so it's kind of like they're they're learning to win together or and play together in in the NHL um, itself, and and it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic in in that way, um, and, and I guess it's it's in a little bit in a way it's a little bit similar to. Um, to Toronto as well, right? Where they had a lot mm-hmm. of guys who just kind of made the NHL at 18-19 and, and, and just kind of, you know, went, went from there. Um, and, you know, th- there seems to be a... Um, with, with the Senators in particular, it, it just seems like there's... Even when they were good, there were reasons to not kind of believe in them, even from their own fan base. Like, there were always... Um, you know, whether it was goaltending or um, even the, um, the the run with, with Stone and Carlson um, when they got to the Eastern Conference final. Uh, and and it always seemed to be like, okay, yeah, well that's not sustainable. Um and things like that. So I mean how is is the is the the road kind of paying off? Like like is it is it looked back fondly the way that it's gone um a, a little bit or, or are fans just excited to get to that next that next stage?
1: I think we're definitely reaching the point where fans want the next stage, but (laughs) yeah, it is like, um, it it is really exciting because yeah, as you said, like the years, the the Sens had a long stretch where they were just a bubble team and they would make the playoffs every other year and, you know, have a a fun, exciting run that was really fun for us, but was never really that sustainable. And, you know, as much fun as we had with the Hamburglar run and uh, in 2017 and all of that, right. Like, I think you know those were also years of frustration about ownership mostly and just about the direction of the team and a lot of there was a sense within the fandom that the team was just kind of always going to be mediocre and never truly like excellent right um and obviously we had like the the experience of having a a world-class like superstar with uh Carlson but it's nice now to have a team with a lot of really, really good players that feels like they could actually be, you know, a good analytics team and then could be <laughs> legitimately good. Um it's it's been a while since we had that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I think that it's it's interesting because the the centers and Canadians I think have a lot in common in terms of recent history where mm-hmm they had a world-class player who wasn't really surrounded that would kind of lead them to places they shouldn't necessarily have been um, in both Carlson and, and Price. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they, they kind of decided, no, we need to do this right and kind of really rebuild. And, and the Senators kind of, they started out a little bit earlier uh, in their process. Um, They've already had kind of the multiple picks and, and, you know, they, they got, they got Sanderson and, um, they had two picks that year, two first uh they, was that the Stussel year as well. Yeah, they get Stussel yeah, and Sanderson and in the Anderson. top five. Yeah. So
1: it was the Eric Carlson trade, uh that they got an unprotected first from San, from Jose, San Jose because San Jose right. was supposed to be very good and then and then San Jose uh plummeted to the bottom of the standings and it turned out to be some stutzah. <laughs> so that was a little bit of luck there.
0: Right. Yeah, because they had the choice with the 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 Duchenne trade to either give up. They could have kept the Kachuk pick or given up yeah. right? Is that, that yeah. basically what it was?
1: Uh, yeah they did they had fourth overall in 2018 and yeah. we're supposed to be even worse the next year and they said we're going to hold on to fourth overall and we're going to reach for Brady Kachuk at fourth and that was not very popular at the time Um, <laughs> but of course it worked out fine they didn't give up Jack Hughes they gave up Bo and Byram I think um, yeah so it was it was fine it worked out fine at the time it was not popular
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I want to talk about that a little bit because the 2018 draft is a year that a lot of canadians fans and um <laughs> look back on not not fondly um and a lot of people were saying oh no you know the, the pick wasn't caught kaniemi the pick should have been kachuk but senators fans were quite upset with the pick at the time right like they, they kachuk wasn't the one that they wanted even keeping the pick correct like
1: yeah we wanted it was adina Dina. right it yeah. Was adina. Well, yeah
0: exactly yeah. it
1: was like the sens do have a history of overvaluing like toughness and stuff (laughs) and so people were worried that the Sens were going to like yeah overvalue Kachuk. I actually have a fun story about that specific draft. I've told this on other podcasts before but I watched that one at a bar in Ottawa with a bunch of Sens fans that I'd met online um, like people from Sens Twitter and when the Habs drafted Kotkaniemi they showed a bunch of like really angry Habs fans in the crowd and everyone at the table like cheered so loudly that the staff at the bar came over and said do you guys want us to change the channel to like I think it was a soccer game that was going on because like (laughs) you're clearly not watching the draft and we said no 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 we're we are cheering for the sad Habs fans right now this is this is our reaction to the draft and they went okay because we were all discussing like how clearly they, they're not watching the NHL draft if they're that enthusiastic about it. Um, and then of course we also got like really mad about the Sens drafting Brady Kachuk and may have flipped, may have almost flipped tables, but um, again, that worked out fine.
0: Yeah. I just want to, I, I'm, I'm glad to, to touch on that because that that's, that's a point where a lot of people are like, no, that that was always going to be the pick. And I'm like, that that's such revisionist history because even Senators fans were not thrilled with that. And uh yeah there's a lot of fun draft day moments um our mm-hmm. our former sister site at Broad street hockey um also had a, a great yes, video when I they thought they, when they thought they were going to draft Cole Caulfield and then did <laughs> not um and that one worked out for the canadians uh, at least mm-hmm. but yeah it's 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 always interesting to get the perspective of of senators um people who follow the senators about the Kachuk pick because it definitely was um uh, a situation that wasn't as 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 foreseen, as foreseeable uh, as it was as it is now. Looking back now, mm-hmm. it makes sense, but, but but at the time, uh even Senators fans weren't weren't thrilled uh with, with that pick. Um Biata, thank you so much for, for taking the time uh and and discussing the Senators with us. Um I I I hope that this year goes a little bit better between the two um sides. Uh, I, I'm not optimistic, though. Um, that there, there's there's still a lot of a lot of a lot of bad blood between the fan bases. Um, and... I
1: I am not hoping things go better. I'm ready for the <laughs> the battles. I am yeah. a a known Habs hater. Uh, that's what <laughs> happens when you grow up francophone in Ottawa. Um, <laughs> you do not like the Habs.
0: Yeah, I I, I think the, those those it's always funny because I never saw the Senators as a rival. Uh, and then they played in the playoffs and I feel and, like
1: it was 2013 that really, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah it was, it was the whole, um, it was the first, it was two years in a row because it was the first year was the the hit on, on Lars Eller um mm-hmm. and Paul McLean um <laughs> you know and, and all that and uh the bug-eyed, bug-eyed walrus <laughs> the and, line brawl and the yeah, hat trick <laughs> yeah it, it, exactly and then wh- I think it was the very next year when the Subban no. and Mark Stone was or two years later no
1: that was two years later because the yeah. Sens didn't make the playoffs in 2014 right. but then 2015 was the hamburger run uh
0: yeah with with Stone and and Subban and all that mm-hmm. and, um yeah that that was Th- those two runs really solidified the rivalry. <laughs> if, if there was any doubt um, between the proximity and and things like that, um, those two runs really really solidified the hatred. I think between the two sides and and made it a lot. I want to say more fun because mm-hmm. um, I I think that um, because when the Senators were good, Montreal really wasn't. Um, those early years mm-hmm. were the you know the early two thousands were more again with Toronto um and those playoff series and then Montreal was kind of when Montreal was better Ottawa really wasn't and then um yeah it really took off 2013 2015 uh in those those two years and uh now we have a a women's hockey rivalry uh, budding mm-hmm. as well uh which will be very interesting um but I'm I'm not I'm not going to trash talk PWHL Ottawa because like I said <laughs> off the top um they have some of my favorite people in the world um uh and uh yeah uh it's it's definitely not something that'll happen with me you know maybe down the year down the road um there'll be a rivalry but in my eyes I just can't get mad at Emily Clark and Emma Meyer and Breanne Jenner. No, see, uh, I'm doing it's... the opposite
1: thing. I'm doing the sense fan thing where I'm like trying to hype myself up to hate <laughs> Marie-Philippe Poulain. Like she's been one of my favorite players for years. Like I literally have her jersey, but I'm just like, no, she plays for Montreal now. I have to cheer against her. Like I have to, I have to find a way to really, really hate her. So I'm working on that.
0: Yeah, it, it, it it's it's, funny because Montreal had the opposite problem um, when Hillary Knight came to play. in Mm. in Montreal and you know it she was obviously someone that was not easy to to like but they they ended up there was no issues when she's playing here and now she's back in Boston and it's like oh no oh well Uh, and Ottawa has a rivalry
1: with Boston too because they took Jamie Lee Rattray yeah that
0: that's that's a big one like I I feel like there's the rivalries are starting because of Mm. who other teams picked like uh once all picked up jillian dempsey from, from oh boston that was and, hilarious and, yeah. and boston fans are, are not i'm are not not happy about that and uh yeah it's it's definitely gonna be fun as as we get into training camps uh mm-hmm. in the next month or so and uh yeah thank you so much for for taking the time again uh silver seven cents um going the independent route uh mm-hmm. like like eyes on the prizes a little bit um and uh thank you so much for taking the time and and uh I, I I can't say best of luck this season but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say it I, I hope you have fun let's put it that way uh, <laughs> um, I have nothing no ill will with you um, but uh, so I, I hope you enjoy the season
1: thanks so much and thanks again for having me um, yeah and I do wish ill will on the Habs
0: <laughs> yeah you know I, I'm trying to be diplomatic I, I, I can't my my dad's a Habs fan my dad's a least fan sorry Oh, so wow. I, i've okay. kind of grown up with that kind of why do we all hate each other it's just a game <laughs> um so i'm i'm more diplomatic than most i would say um except i don't really like boston very much at all i have no reason to like them but yeah that's fair. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to to, to canadian teams i kind of like oh, you know we can kind of get along it's okay um thank you so much for taking time and, and have fun this evening
1: you too